Good morning, church. I normally think of myself as comfortable in front of a crowd. Sometimes I get skittish, I don't know. So, and Bob planned to be gone several weeks, and he asked a couple different people to fill in for him, and I was initially planning to fill in in July. I got plenty of time! (laughs) Then he said, "Um, can you do it Father's Day, like next week? (gasps) Oh, okay, well. So, Annette and I went out to Boston in May to pick up Grace. We were in Cleveland over Mother's Day, and we had the privilege of listening to Alistair Begg that I get to hear on the radio preach in person. And he said, it's Mother's Day, and the text for the day is going to be this, and it's kind of blood and gore, and and that's not just really good for Mother's Day, so we're going to kind of go off and just talk about Mother's Day. And so his topic that day was, what would Jesus say about Mother's Day? And so he looked at three or four scriptures where Jesus interacts with his mom and says, this is how Jesus interacted with his mom. This is what Jesus would think of Mother's Day. He didn't really answer the question. He just kind of left it open. So when I found out, Bob asked me to preach for Father's Day, I thought, okay, what does Jesus think about Father's Day? So I get my Bible, start looking. Where does Jesus interact with his father, with Joseph? (laughs) (laughs) I'm into Acts. Wait, wait, where'd it go? Where'd it go? (laughs) But there's one passage that I want to start with, and then we're going to go to a couple different places and kind of fill in. What does Jesus say about Father's Day, about fathers. So if you want to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read verses 41 to 52. That's where we'll start. Luke chapter 2, 41 through 52. Every year his parents, Jesus' parents, traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. After those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and the people. That's it. 
That's the only interaction we have between Jesus and Joseph, and Joseph isn't even mentioned by name. Mary is talking to him. Your father and I. But at 12 years of age, Jesus already knew what he was supposed to do and be about. His earthly parents didn't understand that yet. But he humbled himself, deferred to them, went back home, and stayed with them, working alongside Joseph as a carpenter. We read the other scriptures, we kind of infer that. And for about 18 years, until he was 30. And 30 is usually the time when the Levites go into service as Levites at the temple. You know, for the first 30 years, they're kind of living at home. Then 30 years old, you go and you, you work. <clears throat> so how did Jesus treat his earthly father? What do we know? He honored and obeyed him. Now, it's not explicitly written, but we know that for two main reasons. We know that Jesus is the perfect Son of God. And he kept the law in every way. Now the law says, honor your mother and your father. We presume then that Jesus honored his father, his earthly father. He was, that's what he did. Because he kept the law perfectly. Also, after his parents found him in the temple, Luke says he went back to Nazareth with his parents and was obedient to them. He obeyed. You know, when you're learning a skill like carpentry, how do you manage to not hit your thumb with a hammer, right? You learn, you obey, somebody gives you direction, you follow them. So here's Jesus, the Son of God, and Luke, he knew he should be in his father's house. This is what he felt he should be doing. And he asks his parents, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? He wasn't sarcastic or arrogant. He was innocently honest. He wanted to be in the temple talking with the priests. That's where he felt he belonged. And he thought or presumed his parents wouldn't know and understand that. Why were you searching for me? I don't get it. But out of deference to his parents, he returned with them and was obedient. Now, was Joseph a perfect father? No. No one is perfect. Was he somehow worthy of Jesus' honor and obedience? No. But he was righteous and obedient to God. In Matthew chapter 1, we read that after Mary was engaged to Joseph, but before they came together, Mary was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Joseph was a righteous man. And then three places in Matthew 1 and 2, we learn that Joseph was obedient to God. The angel tells Joseph 
go ahead and marry Mary. Don't divorce her. Be a father to this child. And Joseph did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. A couple years after Jesus is born, magi come, they worship him. Angel comes to Joseph and says, you need to get out of here. Herod's going to try to kill the child. Flee to Egypt. Joseph took the child and his mother and escaped to Egypt. A while later, angel appears to Joseph and says, get up, take the child and his mother, and go back to Israel. He got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. So Joseph was a righteous and obedient man. He was a, a godly Jew. He was a good father in that sense. But he wasn't Jesus' real father. Jesus grew up in a blended family. Mary, his birth mother, but Joseph was his stepdad. He married Jesus' mother when she was pregnant with him. From a human perspective, just strictly human perspective, Jesus was an illegitimate child. Think about that. He was born outside the customary union of a husband and wife. If Jesus didn't like what Joseph wanted him to do, he could rightly say, I don't have to obey you. You're not my real dad. Maybe that's why it was Mary and not Joseph who questioned him in the temple. Your father and I have been looking for you. She's his real mother. But Jesus acquiesced and returned to Nazareth with them. Even though he was a stepdad, he still obeyed him. He honored him as his father. That's who he was. So Jesus is our example of how to live, right? This is what scripture teaches us. He honored and obeyed his earthly father. We should do likewise. Is that easy? Maybe. Maybe. If your dad is like Joseph, a righteous and obedient man, yeah, if he doesn't exasperate his children, it might be easy to obey him, right? He's a good dad. I can love him. I can obey him. That's the type of man we should strive to be so that our children find honoring and obeying us to be a joy and not a burden. I cannot tell you how many times I hear reports of studies about people who are messed up in life. You just, everything is wrong. But how often they have no real father or they have a poor father figure. People grow up without a loving father are more likely to get in trouble with the law. They're more likely to have children out of wedlock. They're more likely to abuse drugs. They're more likely to suffer from depression, more likely to attempt suicide. Because they don't have a father who loves and teaches them, who cares for them. So, men, if you're a father, if you want to be a father at some point in your life, if you are an uncle, if you have any people younger than you in your sphere of influence, then I lay this charge on you. And this applies to me too. Submit yourselves to God and seek to be the righteous, godly men He calls you to be. 
and that your family and friends need you to be so that God can use you for his kingdom and his glory. That's the challenge for you men. Now, honoring your father might not be easy if your dad is not a believer. Or he's not seeking to be the man God is calling him to be. But to the best of our ability, we need to honor and obey anyway. Remember the children grow up and move out. So obeying while living under their roof is a temporary situation. It doesn't last forever. As adults, we still need to honor our fathers, while the obedience diminishes due to the natural change in the relationship. It's no different, really, than when a college student signs a code of conduct that governs the student's behavior at college. Or an adult agrees to a business code of conduct at work. We humble ourselves and submit graciously so that nothing in our attitude or behavior gives any offense that would harm our witness as Christians. Can this be hard at times? Absolutely. But God promises to provide the strength we need so it becomes more apparent that God is truly living in us. Think back to the example Pastor Bob gave a couple weeks ago. Young convert from Islam to Christianity, fully understood his freedom in Christ, but he chose a plain sandwich or plain pieces of bread to the ham sandwich that was offered him for a luncheon so that when he visited his father, who was still Muslim, he could openly and honestly say that the Christian infidels had not corrupted him and caused him to eat pork. He did not want to offend his father in that way. He still honored him, even though his father was of another faith. I also found a verse that I find very interesting, where Jesus told his followers to call no one on earth father. What? What? Don't. What do I do with that? Jesus makes it very clear. Matthew 10:37, Luke 14:26. Anyone who loves father or mother or sister or brother more than Jesus is not worthy of Jesus. Anyone who gives these up for the sake of the gospel will receive the same many times over. His point is that the family we have in God through Jesus is much more important than the family we have through blood or legal documents. In Matthew 23, 8-10, Jesus says, But as for you, do not be called rabbi, because you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, because you have one father who is in heaven. Do not be called masters either, because you have one master, the Messiah. Does that negate the need to honor our earthly father or mother? No. But it does imply that when it comes to choosing between earthly father and heavenly father, we need to choose wisely. Now the the hope is that your earthly father and your heavenly father want the same thing for you. But if there's disagreement, disparity, which one are you going to follow? So, 
how does Jesus relate to his heavenly father? Let's look at his example there. He honors and obeys him. There are a lot of passages where Jesus talks about doing the will of the Father, being one with the Father, honoring the Father, praising the Father. Jesus makes reference to his Father, his heavenly Father, in over 30 passages in the Gospels. I want to read one of those for you from John chapter 6, verses 38 to 40. Jesus talking with the Jews says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus did not come to do his own will. He came to do what his heavenly Father wanted him to do. Jesus' only goal is to obey and honor his heavenly Father. Jesus says, I have come down from heaven to do this. When we look at Philippians 2 and what Paul says about what Jesus did, Jesus had to let go of his equality with God. He made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant. He became obedient to the point of death in the most cruel and inhumane way, a Roman crucifixion. That's what Jesus means when he said, I came down from heaven. I let go of all that. I've come down here. Hymn writer Charles Wesley said it this way, He emptied himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race. Jesus also knew that this was temporary. He warned his disciples multiple times of his impending death and resurrection. He knew how short his life on earth would be. Jesus knew when he would die. Several times the Gospels mention that the Jews didn't kill him because his hour had not yet come. He knew his hour. In Hebrews 12, we read that for the joy that lay before him, Jesus endured the cross and despised the shame. He knew what he came to do, and then it would be done. And on the cross he said, it is finished. It's done. Did all that make it easy for Jesus to obey his Father? No. I don't think so. Jesus was asked to do some hard things, and I don't think he really wanted to do them. Right after God the Father affirmed his love for Jesus, when Jesus was baptized, he said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Right after that, God sends them to the wilderness for a month, 40 days, to be tested and tempted. I don't think that was a fun or easy assignment for Jesus. It was so draining on him 
that at the end of the time, angels were sent to minister to him, to strengthen him. In his ministry, Jesus chose 12 men to follow him and be his disciples. He knew that one of them was the devil. And he says that very clearly in John 6, verse 70. How do you lead a group knowing that one of them will betray you and one of them will deny knowing you? I don't think that's very easy. In the garden, waiting for his betrayer to betray him, Jesus asks for a way out. And reading through the Gospels, it says he went three times and prayed, If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If this cup cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And what I read in there is, God, Dad, I don't want to do this. I really don't want to suffer on the cross. But if it's the only way to do your will, then I'll do it. I will obey. I will honor you. Jesus makes it very plain and simple. He came for one purpose, and that was to be the means of our eternal life as a gift from God the Father. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have eternal life. This is how He honors and obeys His Father. It doesn't get any simpler than that. This is what He came to do. This is what He does. So, how do we treat our Heavenly Father? How do we follow His example? We honor and obey. First, we need to know who our Heavenly Father is. We don't want to honor and obey the wrong person. Jesus had an interesting interaction with the Jews about this in John chapter 8, verses 38 to 44. And this is just a a snippet from a larger passage. Jesus says, I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father. Therefore you do what you have heard from your father. Our father is Abraham, the Jews replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I have heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father did. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, because I came from God and I am here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. The Jews claimed to be the descendants, the earthly children of Abraham. They even claimed to all have one father, even God. 
But Jesus makes it very clear that we are the children of the one to whom we listen and obey, the one we imitate. That's who our Heavenly Father is. That's who our spiritual Father is. The Jews are not children of Abraham because they don't believe God like Abraham did. The Jews are not children of God because they don't love Jesus like God does. The Jews are children of the devil because they lie and oppose the truth like he does. And they murder like he does. Jesus is the child of God because he speaks what he sees in God's presence. Jesus is the child of God because he honors God and is glorified by God. So, who do we obey and imitate? Who is our Heavenly Father? Who are we going to honor? John chapter 1, 12 and 13 says, To all who receive Jesus, to all who believe on his name, Jesus gives the right to become children of God, born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And Jesus tells Nicodemus in John chapter 3, You must be born again. Born of the Spirit. Born of God. The honor and obedience is not a choice we make about our actions and attitudes. We don't follow a bunch of rules to be right with God or to be considered His children. If we are God's children, we honor and obey God because we are His children. It's a result of the relationship. If we are not honoring and obeying God, then we need to question if we are really His children. Have we answered His call to submit and surrender and let ourselves be adopted into His family? Or maybe we have, but we're listening to and following someone else or something else. Look at your life, look at your heart. If all is good, rejoice. Today is the day to praise and worship the one who loves you so much he sent his only begotten son to die for you. Today is the day to go and tell others about him, to do his will by believing in Jesus and telling others about Jesus. Today is the day to honor and obey God, your loving Heavenly Father. But if something's not right in your life or your heart, Today's the day to make it right. Today is the day you can tell God, I'm sorry for my sins and I want to repent and become your child. Today is the day you can tell God, I'm sorry for messing up our relationship and I want to come back to you. Today is Father's Day. Who will you honor and obey today? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you draw us to yourself. You call us 
you reveal yourself through your son Jesus. And we can only know you through him. And so we read your word and we learn about Jesus so we can learn about you. How Jesus loves you and obeys you and honors you. How he reveals you to us. And Father, it is your will that not one of us should perish. But you call all of us to be your children. You invite all to believe. And that means surrendering to you. Repenting, turning away. Not by our own power, for we can't do that. But opening ourselves up to you so that you can cleanse us and free us from our sins. Draw near to us, Father, and draw us near to you. Reveal to us sin in our lives that needs to be repented of. Reveal to us the attitudes and actions that are not pleasing to you so that we can work with you to make them right, so that we can learn from you how you want us to believe, how you want us to behave, so we can be filled with your Spirit. Walk with us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.